Good Gab, sponsored by Skillskin, a nonprofit organization empowering individuals with disabilities through employment. All right, listeners, I didn't know I would uh, be interviewing someone from my old childhood, <laughs> but little did I know, we went to middle school together. This person's cool. This person is Kira Bauer. This is the founder of Rays, and be prepared. Your mind's about to be blown. Kira, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. How's your morning going? Morning's good. The snow is crazy right now. It is, right? It's insane trying to drive around out there, but got the kid off to school and started my meetings, and so, yeah, it's a good day. Nice. Yeah, yeah well, so what are you working on right now? Oh, what am I not working on right now? <laughs> That's um, the real question. <laughs> so right now we we all obviously have Rays and I've become I've gone from being a teacher to a developer and so trying to navigate that new world and um, get that project going. I also have a mental health project that I'm working on, um, a pilot that I've got going on. So are you doing it within the context of like the kids? Or? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, Everything's yeah. about the kids. It all starts and ends yeah. with them, right? Um, Where so- did that come from? <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah, why the kids? Why do you want to put uh, all your effort there? You know, when I th- when I look at the world as it is right now, <clears throat> I think that it's too late almost to start with us adults in really making that significant heart change. Uh-huh. I think you start with the children who are still developing their world perspective or the people that are still developing their world perspective. Um, and you do it with authenticity and equity um, and love and nurture and... Uh, then they can grow up creating the world as it should be and it could be. I love it. It's such a long-term view, though. It's like it's going to take years to to see that pay off. Uh, We're talking the same language in our space. We help adults with disabilities at SkillSkin, and we started asking, why aren't people working? Mm -hmm. And we're like, we've got all these great jobs. And then we're like, oh, well, maybe we're not, you know, the parents aren't talking about work, the the schools aren't talking about work so we got into the high schools and we just realized this past year it's like we're too late Mm -hmm. we gotta jump into you know middle schools and i'm thinking in my mind we're gonna have to figure out some elementary school uh programs too just to talk about work so people can be ready when they come out and uh and just change that conversation in, in the disability space so yeah i we believe yes <laughs> we're on the same page you know i i often say i'm not turning around a race car i'm turning around a ship and that takes time and that takes forethought mm-hmm. and that's what this is about it's not about saying like okay what's the quick fix to this there is no quick fix to this it's putting that ingraining it at a very early age and letting it develop um, and so even what you're talking about right like that's futuristic dialogue they have to see themselves doing it uh-huh. and if you have parents that are so in the survival mode they're not even thinking about thriving yet right yes and so it's giving so why that, would they have that conversation exactly. with their kids exactly so it's starting yeah. really early and letting them dream and then taking that dream and moving forward 
So your school sounds cool. (laughs) That philosophy. (laughs) Tell us more about that. So RAISE (laughs) is a early learning development center that is based in Black Excellence and Joy. It's a culturally based preschool and development center. Nothing new to Spokane. Uh, That seems unique. It's not. It's not. It's, you know, we have them all over Spokane. We have the Salish School. We have Celia's Place, right? We've got these great organizations that are doing this work. What we don't have is one that's based in Black American history, excellence, and joy. And so um, it's a long story of kind of how I got here, but that's really what Raise is about. Well, we'd love to hear a little of the story. Let's dive. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt, Kira. So um, I actually started yeah. with an organization called People to People Ambassador Programs. We traveled students all over the world. Um, oh, they're out on the West Plains, right? Yes, yeah, yes okay. that's where they were. Um, and I actually, I worked there. I started like in the basement um, just doing calls and got to the point where I was spending, I spent three weeks in Australia on the Olympic campgrounds helping um, do the, run the logistics for a sports program. Loved doing that. Got promoted. Did some work um, within state. So did a, a ran a lot of our national programs um, or assisted with those programs. And then I, my husband at the time and I, we decided we were going to start our family. And <clears throat> what what else do you do at twenty three? Right, you start a family. <laughs> and so um, had this beautiful little boy and realized I didn't want to travel anymore. Right. You, know, you want to weeks be out there. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to be with my kid. And so I knew education and I knew children. And so, and because I come from a family of seven, um, when I was younger, I had started like a community preschool and um, school program that I ran out of a trailer in our neighborhood with all the neighborhood kids. You just see a need? You know yeah. what? I did. I also like telling kids what to do. So <laughs> that, Put was, it together. that was yeah. my 12-year-old <laughs> self. Um, but it was great. It was something that we, you know, we got to do and I got to experience community. Anyway, so I decided I was going to start a little, you know, I was going to babysit out of my house so I could be with my son. Um, And over the course of the next five years, seven years, um, that was in 2007. In 2009, I got licensed um, and really started running the in-home and realized it's more than just babysitting. Um, One of the things I started seeing, though, was the homework that would come home and the expectations, right? So we were 24 hours, seven days a week at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had kids from all over Spokane that were a part of my center. And I would see the homework come home for the same grade, but it was just different. Um, the expectations, right? So maybe up on the hill, they would say, you know, parents need to sign off on this uh, reading log. Whereas maybe in West Central, um, it was just like, sit down and read with your parents, right? There was no accountability. Uh-huh. There was no expectation of the family to be involved in this child's um, education. Um, what a unique position to be in, to be able to mm-hmm. see those differences too. Yeah. Just homework. And I, <laughs> I just started feeling yeah. this need and seeing this gap. And I thought, I want my kids. And at the time I was in West Central Spokane, the heart, I was, you know, Oak. Um, I was, I was there. And I said, I want these kids that come from this neighborhood. I want them to be the ones that walk in the classroom. And the teacher is like, Where'd that kid come from, right? Yeah, Um, good goal. Yeah, and so that became my focus. Uh, West Central um, went through some changes, we'll just say that, and it was no longer safe for me to have an in-home center there. Um, And I've talked to the community uh, cop 
program there about that. But um, we went through that process. I wound up moving into Little Scholars in 2013, the building that was there. We moved into that. Where's that at? It's on North Monroe. Okay. So just outside of West Central uh-huh. in Central Spokane. So the same, you know, community had access. Real, to. but real central to mm-hmm. yeah, our whole community. Yes. And so we did that work. And then, um, but during that time, the Salish school was coming in and they actually took the building that we were originally going to go into. Dang them. And so, no, and it was okay. Cause I wasn't ready. Right? Okay, okay. I was just, I had 23 kids and I was terrified from, to go from my home into, you know, a whole building. And so I passed on that building, got the one that we were in and, um, but the Salish school came in and I, I remember reading about it and kind of following it because we were all coming in at the same time. And I it was just, cool. Like, I, I remember the same. Yes. Like, we can go, what is happening out here? And I was like, yeah. you can do that? Like, you can just choose to teach children about actual history and not, not, not water it down and, and be proud of, like, who you are and who your people are and where you go. Like, I didn't know you could do that. And so um, I just, I thought it was a great idea. And I thought, how awesome would it be to have something like that for the black community um, and then, but over time realizing it, it can't just be, it shouldn't just be for the black community because for, to be a black American is to be an American. Sure. And so having that bridge was really important for me. Um, and so that's where the idea was born out of. And so I just slow walked the research, you know, wow. I'm building a whole new center. I did not have time to start a second center at the same time. Um, so I just gathered an article here, you know, thought about some things over there. And then 2019 comes and I get a call uh, from Luke Jasmine of Parkview um, Early Learning Center and also the governor's representative now. I get a call from him and he's like, hey, I forgot to tell you, you have a meeting in 20 minutes. We're meeting with Commerce. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, Luke calls, I'm on my way. Um, and I get down there and Department of Commerce were there and they were like, hey, we just finished up a study and it found that black students in Spokane are the most underserved in all of Washington state as it pertains to early learning. What do we do? The whole state? In the whole state. Oh man, so In huge the whole need. state, right. Um, now, like I said, I had been collecting articles, so I already knew some of the disparities our state was facing. For instance, in 2016, we suspended and expelled 6,000 K through third graders and 6% are, um, and our black boys specifically were expelled or suspended six times more than their peers. Black girls were second at 4%. Um, and so I knew we were facing some really serious deficits. Um, and so we went into this conversation. They gave us a needs-based grant. We applied for the needs-based grant, won that, started the work. Like, what's the need in Spokane? Do we need more child care yeah. centers? Yes, we do. Um, came back, we got um, awarded the feasibility grant. And that's when I said, okay, we got to talk about what this will look like. Yeah. And so I pitched the idea of raise, and the group went nuts and were like, yes, that's what we're doing. Um, and then did a feasibility study and really involved the community in every way possible. Um, and we've been working on it ever since. And then I applied for the early learning facilities grant and that was a million dollars we were awarded that um and then it was on to all the other great things that we've been doing that's incredible during your research is there anything like 
that attributed like that staggering statistic of mm-hmm. you know people being expelled mm-hmm. you know bl- black boys and girls being expelled at that higher rates yeah like that's nuts you know um so obviously I come from a, a community where that wasn't really a surprise to me, right? Even in my in my own center, we've had moments where I'm like, okay, let's sit down and talk about why we want to like look at letting this kid or putting this kid on a disciplinary plan, and we can talk about that. One of the most staggering uh, studies that I found was the one that Yale did. Yale University put eye tracking software on teachers of every race, right? Or not every race, but of multiple races. Um, and showed them a group of students, and they said, there's a behavior happening in, happening in this classroom. Can you tell us who is responsible for the behavior? Every single one of those teachers looked at the black boy first. Hmm. They assumed... So like this cultural bias yes, that is in place. Yes, and it's an implicit bias, yeah. right? Well, for some, it's an implicit yeah. bias. And so the, we know that, and that's regardless of ethnicity. They look to the black child, the black boy first and the black girl second. For the and the, the crazy thing is, is there was no behaviors in the classroom. Um, there was nothing actually happening. So you can just, yeah, human brain can just be prompted absolutely into that. It makes me think about my own experience here mm-hmm. in Spokane. I grew up uh, like on Thirteenth and Fisk. I went to Franklin Elementary, mm-hmm. and um, it was an interesting time because everyone was going to Libby School at the time mm-hmm. uh, for middle school, and so we we're all going down there. We had a you know a the east central uh, part of the community they went to you know franklin grant and and sheridan we all you know play like football lincoln park together <laughs> we go down to grant park and play together so it's like i just i knew a lot of that community and so when they got rid of libby and we all went up to the south hill chase we were mm. the very first school uh or first class in that school and it was insane um and i remember we called it like race wars up there it was mm-hmm. unreal and it was the teachers and i saw that with my own eyes wow. um picking out black boys and black girls and suspending them we are all shitheads mm-hmm. there's no <laughs> doubt about it and but they're the ones who had to go home yeah and it's just it's weird to think about you know a, a long time ago mm-hmm. but it happened like i saw it with my own eyes yeah i feel um, like you and i were at chase at the same time maybe yeah. I was either the first year or the second year, but very cool. Were you class of 2000 for uh, graduating? 2001. Okay, yeah. So you're right year. behind me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You were there. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, so when you're in eighth grade, so that <laughs> year right before you got there, that was, was an crazy. unreal. Really? Yes. Oh, man. And I remember a lot of effort uh, went into the school that, mm. that next year. And mm-hmm. I, what was your experience like you know, when you were up there? I do not even remember, Chase. <laughs> I am not going to front. Yeah. I really don't. Um, I had, But good. It was like a jail. It was like... I, I, <laughs> Chase, I had my first bullying experience, and so that's where a lot of my focus was. But I also had a lot of things going on at home that, like, I just wasn't. Chase is kind of like a blur for me, but yeah. that's interesting. Well, yeah, we, yeah, we're the same age. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, awesome. that was interesting. That was my experience okay. back then, and I just so I can, I don't know, I can see that. Yeah. Well, so okay, so now raise is starting to happen. Yes. Like, where are you in this process? Yes. So we so one of the things that was really important to me is that i purchased property right this is a for us by us 
organization. I did not want to lease property. I didn't want to go into debt um, and not own anything. Uh And so it took us a while. I was actually awarded that grant in 2021, right? We're at 2024 now. Um, So I was awarded the grant. It took about a year and a half to find a building because it is going to have 170 slots. 170 slots. It's a extended hour center. So we're open until 530 or 1130 p.m. We needed a a totally different space in the building just for sleeping and for having that night program. Um, And so it took a while. We found the building. It's the old Department of Licensing building on Lidgerwood okay. up north that everybody went and yep. got their license from. Where we all stayed in line forever. <laughs> yes. Right by I, Numerica. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We all have it's a great building crazy though, stories. It's an amazing yeah. building. It's an amazing building in a beautiful, wonderful neighborhood. Um, and so 9,964 square feet, and that's where we will be. Monday through Friday, 5.30 a.m. to 11.30 p.m. with opportunities for overnight and weekend care as well. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when when will you launch? That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's not the wrong question then. How do not people get involved then? Yeah. And so we can help support because we know the need is there. Yes. Like, how, how do we support? So we right now are um, going to be submitting for our permit kit here within the next couple of weeks and then hopefully be starting construction. The construction process is going to be probably about six months. Um, in the meantime, while we're working on that, so our open date right now is going to hopefully be September 1st first which is perfect because yeah. it's right in time for the new school year um so and that's what we'll follow with our our programming how can you get involved right now i am doing um our final uh listening session um it started with listening sessions it's going to end with listening sessions um we're doing listening sessions on the interior design so i've been working with a design team mint design they are fantastic um and just making sure that it feels like you are being immersed in black culture when you walk through the door and cool. so we're asking community to come out and tell us how we did tell us what we need to put on the walls and what we need to do to make this environment feel welcoming so we have three listening sessions um, coming up the first one is starting on Tuesday that one is full but we have the 6th and the 20th and then we have a set of listening sessions for parents grandparents and provider guardians Um, and that's where we're wanting to know how do we communicate with you Um, as a black parent or a parent of a black or black identifying child or as somebody who is just a part of a community where other black people are How do you want us to communicate with you and what does that feel like and look like? Um, And then a final set of listening sessions for teachers. Um, One of the worst things that you can do is create an early learning space and not talk to the people who are going to be doing the actual work and understand how do you need to be treated to feel valued, to feel heard, and so that you can do your best work in the classroom. And then uh, we'll conclude with that. That's brilliant. There's a something that the disability community says like nothing about us without, without us, us and right. the listening sessions that you're talking about just it's making me think about like our organization and how we're connecting with people and i don't know if we listen enough mm. <laughs> there's something just kind of like struck the chord yeah. yeah because if you do you're going to get that feedback of like what the real need is yeah and if you build something like in the like, let's just say I build something that I think is great and, oh, it's the best thing. But 
isn't great yeah. to the people we're serving, Mm-mm. then what are you doing? You and yeah. it's really, it's like looking from the outside in, right? And then telling them what, what, what you're going to do and how you're going to do it and what you, I see what you need. Don't worry. In education and in the medical field, we've got that down pat. Like, we are educated mm. and we know best. <laughs> Follow me, right? Um, that's not what this is about. This is, and I do a lot of work, um, around early learning providers and these are people who they have they have they are under-resourced they are underpaid they are overworked but it because it's a heart job I always say that this is heart work Mm -hmm. right we just know that they're going to continue to perform and if you don't sit down and you don't ask them what does your classroom need to look like what does it need to feel like for you right um it's one thing to have a standard operating procedures of what you need to do to make this the best place ever but do you have a standard operating procedures of how to treat your staff? If your Good staff call. comes in and says, hey, I don't have, like I'm, I'm experiencing homelessness or houselessness. Do you have a standard operating procedure for that? Do you know where to go? And you're not just sending them, but are you walking with them through that process? Right, not call 211 or 311. Exactly. Yeah. Like, what, is that, what does that do for the person that you're entrusting with the most valuable thing our community has? if you're not walking beside them. And so that is, that's the other part of Raise for me is we are, we are there to support and help our, our instructors and our teachers as much as we can. Okay, so as this, as this kicks off, as this community builds mm-hmm. and forms, are people that are, let's just say they have kids in District 81 and they're like, no, we won't be part of Raise. Can they just like choose to be a part of your school? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, Child care center, it's yeah. preschool, right? So we go all the way from birth to 12 years, uh-huh. which means we have a before and after school program. Um, okay. They will have, so our school agers, once they hit kindergarten, they would go to District 81, but we would pick them up before school or drop them before off before and, and after. after. Okay, mm-hmm. now I'm making mm-hmm. that connection. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I absolutely recommend staying, like if your child is not registering for kindergarten, keeping them in that preschool environment so they get as much intense one-on-one uh, specialized care as humanly possible before you throw them into a school district, right? Like, we that's what we want to see is that these students get as much attention and care as humanly possible before you put them into, like, the big machine that is... School. Public education. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I would just mention is that one of the great things about Ray's, so in my in-home, I used to do transportation where... You didn't have to be from my neighborhood to have access to my center. I bet that so, was hard to just do, though. No, it wasn't easy, mm. you know, mm. and I was still building my family. So there was one point where I was like nine months pregnant and I'm like, I got driving the van. I'm driving this big sprinter van and I've got all my babies in the back and then getting out with the car seats. You know, that was great. But um, so at Ray's, that's one of the things that we'll be doing as well. You don't have to be in our neighborhood to have access to our center. So we'll have places around town that we'll have pickup spots for our students. Well, so that's great too. Cause you know, we all know Spokane's pretty white. So to it be, is. and, <laughs> and people of color living all over town. Yes. So to be able to access uh, your program yeah. and transportation is always a barrier. It is. Yeah, it is. And to, and to be clear, mm. this is a program for everyone, right? So yes, we want black community to bring their children to raise because we have 
programming that is specific to who we are and the contributions that the people that look like me have made. Um, but it's not enough for just us to be at the table, right? You have to be, your kids have to be at the table and everyone else's children have to be at that table because we can't just sit around and talk amongst ourselves about how great the contributions of black America has been. If you really want to raise our AZE, which is tear down, dismantle and do away with, if you want to do that to the narrative for the black child in education, it takes all of us having that same understanding. Makes sense. We had a guest on, uh, Katara, mm -hmm. um, you know, Katara? I do. Yeah. I love Katara. Well, me too. Yeah. Uh, she said something similar to that. She's looking at me. She's like, Steve, we got to get everybody on board. Yeah. Like this is our community. Yes. We have to, this is it. Right. So let's do it. Right. And that make that makes sense. So could you imagine yeah. a world where the conversation is no longer like, oh, Black History Month is coming. So let's make sure we, you know, talk about Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks. Right. But if, you know, the names of, you know, Happy Watkins was just as synonymous with, you know, what Rosa Parks did or um, if Sandy Williams name was mm. just as, you know, talked about at the dinner table as anyone else's. We're talking we're not just talking about you know, national heroes. We're also talking about the local, local heroes. Our community. Our community, right? The did you have you guys seen the book that Stephanie Courtney wrote? Um, and it's entitled Our Community. I have and it. it is literally local, present, active black heroes in Spokane. I'm gonna be picking doing, it up. I'm oh, check it's it amazing. Out. It's amazing. It's actually here at the library. Um but our it, community. It's called All our right, community. listeners, check that book yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's amazing. She's also doing some amazing work here in Spokane around black maternal health. But at the end of the day, this is our history that has been almost erased from us, right? Um, I tell this story when I talk about race, I tell this story about my grandfather. And my grandfather had a third grade education and he was a cowboy. And I probably learned more about moonshine and campfires <laughs> than any four or five-year-old should have known. But I grew up hearing about the world of cowboys and swimming horses and all these amazing things that he used to do. And then crickets. Uh -huh. Nobody talks about black cowboys. No. But to find out that one <laughs> in four... Were one in four um, Old West cowboys were black? So Yeah, this is an entire community. That's Why haven't we heard and that? And that's huge. Yeah. That's a huge part of American history and pride, right? Like, why aren't we talking about these things? And that's why it's important. Um, Bass Reeves is one of my favorite black heroes. They just made like a whole mo a series about TV series about him. He's somebody we're going to be studying at Ray's. Just an amazing... Um, uh, Marshall, uh, U.S. Marshal, first black ever U.S. Marshal arrested Just picking over up the bad guys. Yes, yeah. arrested over like six thousand old West criminals. Mm. Arrested his own son, um, and he only out of all like of the people, a real badass. Yeah, he <laughs> pulled his gun. I think like something like forty times. I read. So but even yeah, more. He played legend. no. He's a legend, right? But do we know that we actually have our own black U.S. Marshal here in Spokane? We have one, which is crazy for Spokane. We have one. That means we clean his office, too, because we clean that federal Do building really? where the U.S. Marshals. Yeah, <laughs> well, his name is kid. Mike. All He's right. amazing. <laughs> um, but it's it's understanding that we have beautiful history that that is contained in black excellence nationally and here in Spokane as well. 
Incredible, Kara. Anything else that you're thinking about that our listeners uh, you'd like to share with our listeners or know about Ray's, you, or just your vision for Spokane? Yeah, my, my vision for Spokane is that we understand that black excellence is moving into everything that we do, we experience, and I don't want it to be unique. I don't want it to be something special. I want it to be everyday conversation, things that we already know. I want race to be a place where people are proud to send their children and that they realize it isn't just for one particular person. We all have something to benefit from understanding the history of black excellence and joy. And the quicker we get involved, right? Get on our wait list. Go on our website, raisethenarrative.com, R-A-Z-E, thenarrative.com. Sign up for the wait list. Get on our newsletter, um, our newsletters, Get to know us. Find out more. Call me. I'll talk all day about race. Um, and know that we are here for this community. Monday through Friday, 5.30 a.m. to 11.30 p.m. And if the need is there, we can be open weekends and overnight as well. Wow. And we're hiring. You heard it here. The <laughs> best of the best, though. Yes, absolutely. Kira, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. This was wonderful.